Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. So if you're able to um, and you're willing, would you stand as we read God's word together uh, from Matthew chapter 28? Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 20 um, is where we will be. If you need a Bible, um, again, there's, there is hopefully a Bible in the seat uh, in front of you or under you somewhere. Um, and we would highly invite, encourage you and invite you to follow along in um, your copy of God's word. So Matthew 28, 1 through 20. All right. Let's read. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. um, And we thank you that you speak to us through your word um, and you give us a way to know you um, through your word, um, through your son, Jesus. Your word tells us um, that if we want to know who God is, what God is like, um, that we can fix our eyes on Christ. Um, That he is the image of the invisible God, the exact imprint of the Father. And so we thank you that we have Christ, that you have sent Christ, that Christ has died. Um, He was buried. 
um, and he rose from the grave, ascended to glory, um, and reigns even today. Um, And so, Lord, we thank you for the presence of Christ here with us. Um, We pray, Lord, that we would worship him, um, and we pray that by your spirit, you would help us to understand your word um, and what your word teaches. We pray these things um, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, great to see you all today. Um, we've got lots of great guests with us uh, from, from all over the place, um, just from, from different places of life. You're visiting family um, and all of those things, and it's just a real treat and pleasure to have you here. Um, and let me just say to you, welcome, 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 welcome. Um, and we're, we're grateful you're here. You've, you've, you've chosen to, to worship with us on a, on a fun day. Um, here in just a second, you're gonna see a trailer and a truck pulling through the field. It's okay. They're not taking things. They're dropping off a big inflatable slide um, that the kids get to enjoy after this. And so don't, don't pay any attention to them. Um, and so I promise we know they're coming. Um, hey, today is a special day in the life of Grace Harbor. Uh, five years ago, um, around this time, it's not exact, uh, but five years ago, we started as a church uh, with just about eight of us in a living room, not far from here. Um, and the Lord has been so kind and so faithful. Um, and we've got a lot of things that we want to share um, in celebration and in anticipation. Uh, but just as we do each week, this week is not any different. Um, the focus and the emphasis of our time is the word of God. Um, and so we're gonna, we're gonna teach through Matthew chapter 28. It's a little bit off of the series that we're in preaching through Matthew. We're skipping to the end of the book. Sorry uh, for those of you who enjoy a good, a good story, like we're, we're cutting out all the middle things. Um, but today we're just gonna read through Matthew 28 and study through Matthew 28 together um, and just see the mission that Jesus gives to his church. Uh, the, the mission that Jesus gives to his church. And so in Matthew chapter 28, I just wanna highlight three things and I've got to fly through this. And so if you're with us very often, you know um, that we typically just kind of like fine wine, just kind of work our way through the text, let it age with us and we ruminate on it. Um, but this morning we're going to, to really fly through this text. Um, and I wanna look at three things in this text and the implications that it has on us as a church. The first thing that we see in Matthew chapter 28, um, there's three things I wanna give you. Let me give you those three things and then we'll go. The fact of the resurrection, the response of the resurrection, and the mission of the resurrection. And so first we have the fact of the resurrection. You you have Matthew here concluding his gospel account. um, In in the, the gospel of Matthew, you have him concluding his gospel with the historical fact of Jesus raising from the dead. Um, and in fact, he, he even includes details. Look, look at verse, um, verse nine. No, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see, where is, where is this? Um, verse nine, yeah, it is verse nine. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And so Matthew even includes details, kind of graphic details, explicit details in this text, details like they took hold of his feet. Not merely that they just, that not merely they just worshiped him, they did worship him, but a detail as, as, as descript as they grabbed physically the feet of Christ. Um, and, and so what this shows us first, what he affirmed the resurrection to be, a physical, tangible resurrection, a bodily resurrection of Jesus who multitudes and multitudes of people had seen die 
And now here these disciples are worshiping at his feet. And so the risen Christ who appears to several here, he interacts with and he receives worship. And so maybe you have the question of only God is to be worshiped, right? Well, we see here who Jesus claims to be. Jesus claims to be God because it is true. It is true in the historical faith, the orthodox faith of Christianity, that only God is to be worshiped. And here we see Jesus fully embracing the worship of these disciples because Jesus Christ claims to be not only good teacher, but Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He receives worship. So secondly, we see the response of the resurrection. So we see that people responded in worship to Christ because he is now risen and alive. And all of the things that Jesus ever said throughout his earthly ministry is now ultimately validated through his resurrection. Because it would be one thing for a crazy person to make the claims that Jesus made, right? And for him to stay dead. It would be another thing for a man to make the claims and to do the miracles that Christ did and then to raise from the dead. And it validates what Jesus claimed who he was and what he did. And so we can trust him. And so we see throughout this text that there is a a wide range of responses to the resurrection. Some, um, some, uh, Some do as many have done throughout history and still do today. They attempted to explain it away. I love the, the middle section, 11 through 15. It's like a good movie. It's like a good plot. Like behind the scenes, you've kind of got these, 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 these guys plotting to kind of cover something up. Let's read that. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests. So you've got the guard who is on the Roman side of things, those who killed Christ, um, going into the city to, to collaborate with the Jewish leaders. They went into the city. They're like, okay, let's work a deal here because we're Roman guards. If the higher ups find out that we've lost the body of Jesus, like we're gonna be dead. We're gonna, we're gonna be, be dead. And so they go into town. They're like, we've gotta, we've gotta cooperate with these people. And so it says, they went to the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people this, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ear, we will satisfy him and it will keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And so one of the responses is to try to explain it away to try to to give reasons why this could not have happened or reasons why this should not have happened. We see some respond to Jesus, as we've already said, seeking after him in worship. They worship in response to the resurrection, which is the position of the people of God here today. I I had one one of our brothers here in this room early this morning, you know what he texted me? Happy resurrection day. Guess what? It's Easter Sunday. Today is Resurrection Sunday, every day that we come together, every day that we're not together, but especially when we come together as a church body, we are resurrection people. We only are here because of the resurrection. If Christ is not raised and he is still in the grave, then you are still in your sins and you are to be pitied. And what we are doing here is just the activity of a bunch of maniacs. Hey, we might be a bunch of maniacs, but we are maniacs for the risen savior, amen? 
That's what we are maniacs for. And so some seek after him and they worship. But then we see that some doubt. It, it, it says here, look at this. Isn't this, have you ever noticed this in verse 17? When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So these people, um, we don't know for sure, but most of them likely who saw Christ die and heard the claims of Christ, they see him, some worship, but some also doubt. And I don't know what's meant by this doubt. And in fact, in our culture today, we really love to focus on those doubting in the story. They relate and they resonate with us, don't they? Have you ever found yourself in a place of doubt? You ever found your place in a found yourself in a place of, of, of questioning. But, and so we, we love to focus on this, but what we can learn most importantly in these cases, what we can learn most importantly in the cases of those who doubt in the scriptures is that God is patient and kind, amen? Man, aren't you glad that in the midst of your doubts and your questions that God is a patient God? He's kind, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? He doesn't dispose of you. Um, he is a patient, kind, loving God, but also he is infinitely worthy of your trust. He's risen. So in light of that, he is infinitely worthy of your trust. That is not today's sermon, but it's really important for us to understand that one of the responses to the resurrection was doubt. But we, we do learn that God is big enough for our questions for our hurts. But in this particular context, look what happens. In this particular context, Jesus lets what they see before them speak for itself. They, some doubted, some worshiped, some doubted. And Jesus is like, I'm here, bro. <laughs> you saw me die. You, you saw me go into the grave and here I am. And he doesn't spend a whole lot of time reflecting and acknowledging and trying to answer all of their questions, but one who they had all seen dead and in the grave is now before them alive. And Jesus responds to all of it, church, by giving them a mission, by giving the disciples a mission. And the way that he responds to them is simply this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given unto me. Can I just say that if you rise from the grave, you've got pretty good credibility to say something like that. Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me. And so the third thing that we're gonna look at, look at is the mission of the resurrection. Or we, what we could put is um, the, the, the mission that the resurrection puts us on as the people of God. And so church, as we have said, we are a resurrection people. We are a people birthed by, we are a people formed by, we are a people driven by the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily, physical, historical resurrection that Paul says there were over 500 people who saw. In fact, in, in John, he says, maybe it's in John or maybe it's in, in, in I'm trying to, trying to think of where it was, Many of these people are still alive. First Peter 15, for, for First Corinthians 15, Paul writes this. He says, all these people are alive. It'd be one thing if you were just to say 500 people saw it and oh yeah, they're dead. So sorry, you can't go talk to them. Too bad. Paul says, hey, all 500 of those people, they're still alive. You can go ask them. See, see if, see if what, what I say holds up based on what they saw and 500 people seeing the same thing is, is what Paul points 
back to. And so we are a people birthed by this resurrection. Some doubt, some worship, but the resurrection speaks the final word. Again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that we are a resurrection people. We're a gospel people. Go with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, if you would. Turn there. Um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible and you're using one of those in the seats in front of you, um, that is on page 961. Page 961. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel that I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Here it is, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, tis to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Church, we need to understand something very deeply. You don't move on to greener pastures from the gospel. Man, the gospel is not something that you move on from. The gospel is something that we wade more deeply into, right? Um, the gospel is something that we as people of God will come to understand more and more deeply and you never move on from it. Hey, a lot of people in our culture, in our cultural Christianity, think of the gospel and they think of that time back when they were 13 or 14 when they placed their trust in Jesus and now they've moved on to, to bigger and better things. Now life has gotten in the way and so what place does the gospel have on the, on the daily struggle of, of what I'm dealing with? And let me just say it has everything to do with what you're dealing with today. The gospel has everything to do with what you're walking through today. It sustains us and it holds us. Paul says this, hey, you received this and you stand in it. You stand in it right now. And so that's what Paul is trying to get us to understand that we are a resurrection gospel people. And it was out of this resurrection that the mission of the church was born. Let's read um, verse, we've read 16 and 17. Let's read verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so it was this mission that Jesus gave to the apostles who carried it into the church, who then has understood this as their mission throughout all of history. What is the mission of the church? This. It's what the apostles carried to the beginning of the church and what the early church carried as their mission throughout the early centuries. In Grace Harbor Church, you, us, it is the mission that we exist to fulfill today to make disciples of all nations. And so there's no more, there's no more pragmatic 
There's no more efficient, no more catchy way to fulfill what God has for us. It's simply this. Because again, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. And he says, this then, as the all authoritative one, is how you, church, will fulfill my mission. And so it's the steady, ordinary, faithful work of the disciples of Jesus that fulfills his mission. We need no further clarification on what we exist to accomplish. Church, do you, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Do you hear, not the phone ringing, that's actually mine. I don't know who's calling me. Um, so, so don't ever feel bad if your phone rings in church because it happens, okay? We're not gonna judge you. Um, however, as clear and simple as this mission is, However, how good God is to give us the whole of scriptures, to, to give us some direction on how we are to do this. What do I mean by that? Well, we look at the book of Acts and we see what flowed most naturally from God's people and the spirit of God dwelling in his people. We see there were ways that they went about carrying out this mission. Look at 1 Corinthians. We see 1 Corinthians, that's the book that tells us all the things we should not do in fulfilling the mission of God. He's, Paul is sure to tell us there are things that you ought not to do and there are ways that you ought not to act. And then Paul writes to 1 Timothy and he tells us exactly why he writes the book, showing us that how we function in the church, even administratively, is not insignificant. Even administratively is not insignificant. So, Grace Harbor, what we have from our resurrected Savior is the marching orders and what our mission is, the what and the why of our existence. In fact, the, the command in Matthew chapter 28, the, the command is this, make disciples of all nations. That's the command, make disciples. Um, the, the, the command is not so much baptizing in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe, that's the, that's the how. That is the how we are to go about making disciples. And so our mission is to make disciples and the way that God has chosen to see disciples made in the earth is to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and to teach people all that he has observed them. And so church, that's our mission. That's, that's our mission. That's our marching orders from our resurrected Savior is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And so where, what does this mean for us as Grace Harbor? Can we pray, actually? Let's, let's pray together. Um, ask God to help us to receive and understand the word that, that has just been preached. Um, not my words, but his. Um, and that God would help us to understand, first and foremost, um, that his word is authoritative, it's sufficient, um, and it is what we are called to submit our lives to. Let's pray so that we can make a pretty clear distinction between what has just been proclaimed and then what I wanna share here over the next few minutes. Father, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you that your word um, is, is alive, um, that your word speaks to us, um, that it is as relevant today um, as it has ever been. Um, Lord, it is truth. Your word is truth. Um, it's not just a truth. Um, it is truth um, by which all other truths that exist anywhere um, are ultimately under. There is nothing more true 
um, than who you are um, and what your word says. Um, there's no thought. Um, there, is, there is no way of thinking, Lord, that is more true um, than what, what you have revealed to us in your word. And so we just pray, Lord, that we would submit ourselves to it um, in faith, um, knowing that you are good to us. Um, and so, Lord, would you, would you bless um, the study of your word um, and what we have heard very quickly this morning? Um, and would you, would you bless us as a church um, as we seek to honor you with our time here um, and with, with the mission that you've put us on um, in Matthew chapter 28? Um, but Lord, give us clarity in how we ought to best seek that mission um, right here in our neighborhood. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, I wish I had like a slight, fancy slideshow of pictures, um, and I should have done that. Uh, maybe next week we'll do that, but a slideshow of pictures of just kind of our first five years as a church. And so um, summer of 2017, uh, we moved here to Oklahoma City to plant Grace Harbor Church, and I told somebody this morning, like we had no idea what we were doing. Um, and, and I'm gonna tell you now, we still don't know, have any idea what we're doing. Um, we're a little bit more, a lot more confident in the mission of God. Um, I'll tell you that. We're a lot more confident in um, who God is um, and who Christ is. Um, and that's where our confidence lies. Um, and we're a little more confident in what the mission of God is for us um, as we seek to make disciples. But God has been kind and gracious, not only to see us through five years, uh, but to give us these five years to see many things that we ought not to do and things that we ought to pursue. You know, in the church planting world, um, five years is usually the deadline for you to have everything figured out, right? Um, and so like in the Western church planting world, if you don't have it all figured out by year five, then, you know, you can just close the doors and, and move on. Um, well, for us, the first five years have been defined ultimately by the faithfulness of God, right? Um, these first five years have been defined by him, like in spite of us. Um, the faithfulness of God in spite of our unfaithfulness and sometimes foolishness. And some of you are like, hey bro, you're the fool, not me. Well, okay, I'll, I'll accept that. Um, but, but it's been marked by the faithfulness of God. Things that in hindsight, we can actually see God working in, but things that in the moment, were challenging nonetheless. Things that we can now see clearly that God was, as Philippians chapter two would say, working in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God has chosen to work and to will for his good pleasure. And so in many ways, this is a milestone for us. We celebrate five years. Um, if you're here, um, we are so grateful for that. And it, you are here. So I shouldn't say if you're here because you actually are here, um, but you're here. Um, but five years ago when our church was, was eight people in a living room, we, we had no idea what we were doing. But, but very often, often I'd have someone ask me about it and they would, they would say, hey, let me know when you become a, a real church and we, we, may come give, we may come give you a visit. We may, we may come check you out. And so for the record, I never called those people back. Um, I never let them know because um, if I can just be honest with you, that's just didn't want to. So um, we, didn't, we didn't call those, we did not call those people back. Uh, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I share that to, to say that it's really easy to lose your identity and energy and desire for mission as a church plant at this juncture. Uh, because so oftentimes it is easy to say, we're coasting. 
we're good and we lose our heart and our passion and our calling for the mission of God and we just kind of coast because we've arrived and now we can just coast. But family, I can tell you that today more than ever, really, and I'm not just like hyped up today. We're not, we're not here like, we're, we're not here to, 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 you know, shoot off fireworks and those kinds of things. I'm just letting you know what God is working within many people here. I can tell you today that more than ever, we are committed to the mission of Jesus. We are committed to the mission of, of Christ that he has given to us. I've, I've worked on staff at churches who were at one time church plants, by the way. You know, all churches at one time were church plants, right? Um, and somewhere along the way, they forget that. They, they've arrived, they begin coasting, um, that things, are, things are in order. And, and I've, I've often asked myself on staff at those churches, how would this church operate if it were a church plant seeking to live on mission, the mission of Christ and see people come to know him? And what I've, what I've thought is like, I sure wouldn't be sitting in this office for eight hours a day um, giving reports to my superior, um, making sure that I had, you know, done all of these things. Like we would be out. We would be on mission as the people of God because we would realize that God has set us out on mission. And so I've asked myself through that. And so Grace Harbor family, through some things that God has really been doing and showing us through his word here recently, I, I believe we're just, this is, and this is not, I'm not like an inspirational guy, Okay. I'm not really an inspirational guy. Someone told me this morning, and I'm gonna say this and you're not gonna be able to unsee it. Somebody told me this morning that I got my Forrest Gump look, my Forrest Gump look going this morning. Um, I told somebody else that someone had said that and I said, well, no, I was thinking more like a substitute teacher. Um, and so I, I'm not that inspirational. Um, and that, that's, that's all I'm trying to say here. But, but through some things that God has really been doing and showing us um, through his word here recently, I believe that we're just getting started and seeing what God can do through his people. Um, not, as, not as Deuteronomy says, because we are more noble or greater in number, because that's not, the, that's not the, our truth, right? That's not the truth here, that we're greater in number than, than, than others or because we're more noble, but because God is gracious, because God is full of grace, God is faithful, God is long-suffering, God is good in spite of the, the bad that maybe we have done. And so how do we as a local church right here in Northwest Oklahoma City see God preparing us for this next season of life? Well, we believe that out of that mission of, of uh, that mission Christ has given to his church to make disciples, that there are some deeply important foundational things that over the next year, like we just wanna look at where we're at and say over the next year um, that we'll be giving attention to. And I brought the marker board in here. I was gonna write um, and then Micah threw something on the backside, but that's okay because I can do, y'all need to see this artwork of, of Micah. You know, what? I'm gonna bring this marker board up. I'm not gonna show you what Micah drew. Hold on. Y'all can look at this on your own time. Okay, I'll show you. Here it is. says, hi, my name is Kevin. That's really irreverent, Micah. Come on. I'm just kidding. Um, would you help me lift this up here? Thanks. There's, there's uh, essentially what I'm doing here is I, I want to, thank you, brother. Wanna, I want to just give 
Six things, and here's the thing. These are not in any particular order. Now I really like a substitute teacher, don't I? Um, here's the thing. I'm gonna write these six things out and you're gonna see them and your, your mind's gonna start working. You'll be like, well, this thing should be here and this thing should be here. There's, there's really not any particular order. They're just things that I jotted down in my notes. And there are some things that are more important than the others. I understand that. Nonetheless, there are things that we see from scriptures. First um, Timothy being a, a really good foundation for us as, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 15 and 16, I write these things to you so that one may know how they ought to behave in the household of God, which is a pillar and buttress of truth, um, that the household of the living God. Um, great indeed we confess is this mystery. I love what, what Paul goes on um, to say there that we confess as a, as a people and it has to do with who Christ is. And so here's the deal. You're gonna see these six things and they're gonna be, let me just tell you right now, they're not overly inspirational. They're gonna be somewhat underwhelming. There's gonna be some that you think should be in a different order, but here's the deal, don't overthink it. Just, there's just some things that we want to see over the next year that we're going to spend time and energy on as a church. And so first, the first thing is this. Well, I may just have to tell you. Um, the first thing is this, um, to clearly, this is gonna take way too long. Here we go. I'm just gonna tell you. We wanna clearly define and understand the vision of Grace Harbor Church. Um, the mission has been set, amen? What we've talked about this morning, the mission's been set. We know what we are to do, to reach people from all tongues, tribes, and nations. And guess what? They're here in Oklahoma City. Um, we know what our marching orders are, but God has given us a very particular vision as a church of what, how, how we are to go about doing this teaching, baptizing, but over the next year, we wanna clearly define and understand the vision of Grace Harbor. So we know that we, what, what we get to do, how, but, but how has God placed us uniquely here to fulfill his mission in 73162? Like somebody asked me this week, like, why did God put you right here? Why did God put us, put us here? Well, we wanna, we wanna seek the Lord in that. The second thing is this, um, this is where it may start to feel underwhelming to you, but it's not. Um, the second thing is this, is to train and install elders in our church. Um, hey, it is just, it has come to be our conviction and understanding and belief from God's word um, that kind of just this solo pastor thing that we see a lot in our culture is, is not healthy. Um, is, is not really the thing that the church, early church did. Paul would plant a church and the first thing he would tell them to do is put elders in place. Um, you've got Peter who says the same thing. Paul talks about it in several different places. And so Paul, who is committed to the mission of Jesus, planted churches and among first thing in those churches, put elders in place, not as board members, by the way. We're not looking for a board of directors at this church. We are looking for qualified, called men to pastor and shepherd the people of God in reflection of who Jesus is, the way that Jesus shepherds us. And so I'm good with the markers. I know I should probably do it. It would be more visual. Um, hey, the third thing is this. Um, we, wanna, we wanna look at and revamp our covenant membership class and our material um, for our covenant membership class and, and frame it around the mission of Jesus. Like we kind of just inherited a, a, a membership material and we want to to, to revamp our covenant membership class material. One way that we see Christians committing themselves to the mission of Christ is by committing themselves to the local church um, through, through the scriptures. And so several places in the New Testament indicate that churches knew who their people were. 
There were old school roles kept in the, in the, in the Bible um, that people were added to the number that already existed. And so we want to be clear on what we believe as a church um, and, and what we are seeking to do as a church. And then number four, um, this is gonna sound kind of vague, but you, we'll, all of these things we'll talk about and, and explain more in the months to come. The fourth thing is this, we wanna broaden our impact by narrowing our focus. Broaden our, what do I mean by that? Well, church, we seek to make God's name known to all the earth. We seek to make God's name known to the nations. And can I also say that the need is great and ever-growing right here in 73162. Right here as a, as a people, we have been placed here for a purpose. Um, and we want to broaden our impact by narrowing our focus on how do we live as people on mission right here, right here, everyone. And so, so can I just say again that the need is great? And, and here's what we've said before. It's not because of politics, but because of God's sovereign plan to save people right here from the far places of the earth, he has brought the nations here to Oklahoma City because God is sovereign and God has said, I will save, I will save. And he knows who his children are. And so we will plant ourselves here and we will share that gospel and that need. And so it may be easy to theorize what God is doing over there. When we talk about God's work in the nations, praise God, but it may be easy to theorize what's going on over there. But when we get deeply involved and aware of what is happening here, hey, we all become missionaries. We become people who see like, hey, my neighbor, I'm here, my neighbor's here, not because the real estate market was good the last two years or bad, whatever, however you frame that, I'm not getting that conversation. Um, not because of that, but because God placed them here, Acts 17. Um, and so we live as sent ones. Acts 1.8, Jesus gives his, apostles, his, his disciples, he says, um, uh, what does he say? I know, I, I just forget how it starts. Somebody quote Acts 1.8. You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Guess what? The place where they were was Jerusalem. And Jesus says, you will be my witnesses here. And then it will expand. It will expand and it will go. And so we are going to seek Jerusalem right here, our Jerusalem. And so we live as that. Hey, the fifth thing that we want to really focus in on this year is prayer and evangelism. Those words probably scare the fire out of some of you. We want to practice, train, equip for every member ministry. Every member ministry, ministering to people. Hey, listen, you don't have to be comfortable with knocking on doors. You don't have to be com comfortable with cold calling people, but are you being faithful in your ministry and your proclamation with your neighbors, with those you interact with at the park, all of those things. So we wanna train, equip, practice for every member ministry. We want our groups, our small groups, our community groups, not to be unfamiliar with prayer, um, with mission, not just hanging out at certain places at certain times, but being faithful to share and to proclaim the good news in those places. And then the sixth thing is we wanna just give a clear vision and structure for our community groups. Hey, we believe, I wanna just say up front that we are committed to our community groups. They have not always been the strongest, not always been where we would want them to be, but we want to equip men and women to lead groups. We want groups to multiply. We want these groups to be an avenue for discipleship. And we want these places to be a place where our faith and our obedience would deepen. And so listen, these are not the extent of what we hope to see 
um, out of each of these things, there are many implications. It's not the extent of what we wanna see, but these are some things that we wanna give ourselves to over this next year. And we're, we're gonna share this with you in written form, kind of what these things were, but all of these things are preceded by and based upon the foundation of the mission that Jesus has given to his people to make disciples. That is what we exist to do is to make disciples. And we want to lead in these things humbly, confidently, and dependently on God. Man, God has not only been faithful to us in the first five years, God will continue to bless and continue to be faithful to us. I believe because he's faithful. I mean, even if we suffer, he's faithful, right? He's faithful in the midst of suffering. He is faithful in the midst of hardship. Um, and, and we've seen that in different ways over these first five years. And so we want to lean into what God has for us here and to be faithful in these areas with the things that he has given us to do. And so here we are, we are a resurrection people. We are a people birthed by the resurrection of Christ. That if the resurrection is not true, then we are dead in our sins, but we are not dead in our sins. We are alive. We are alive because of what Christ has done for us. And every single Sunday, we get the opportunity to not only hear that with our ears, but to see it with our eyes and to taste it by coming to the table, the Lord's table, so that we're reminded, hey, Christ gave himself for me. This is what this is. If any of us are ever feeling prideful or arrogant or more noble or righteous, or that we deserve something from God because of some way that we've acted, communion is a wonderful practice to get ourselves in a routine and a rhythm to get us into the habit of remembering that we come empty-handed to God, that we come before the Lord empty-handed and he gives us everything. And that everything is the, is, is the, is the, the life death and resurrection of his son, the righteousness of Christ. And so that's what we come and we acknowledge empty-handed, humbly before the Lord. Lord, you have given me life. You have breathed life into these dry, dead bones. And so let's pray. And then we're gonna sing together. And I'm just gonna ask that you would come, come to the table this morning um, and be reminded of that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you for what you have done for us um, and what you have accomplished for us through your son, Jesus. Um, I pray, Lord, in this moment um, that those who, are, um, who have placed their faith in you, God, would, would come humbly and confidently to this table knowing that Christ has paid the price for our sins, that we can be pure through the sacrifice of Christ that he is the, the lamb that was shed for us. And so, Lord, we, we come with, with nothing, and yet um, we, we walk away from this table reminded that you have given us everything. So, Lord, we just pray that you would be glorified in this time, that we would sing in response to what you have done for us through your son, Jesus, and that we would worship and sing um, in response to that. We love you, Father, and we ask these things in your name. Amen.